Hello and welcome to Aunt Mary from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Now for our story. Tonight, after dinner, Ben Calvert had gone into the study of his big house on 11th Street. Seating himself in his favorite leather armchair, Ben began reading with great concentration. A little while later, his wife, Jessie, appeared. She wore a thin summer dress which showed off the trim lines of her still youthful figure. Her graying hair was, as usual, arranged becomingly, and if Ben had been in a mood to notice, he might well have told himself that he had a remarkably attractive wife. Would you care for a glass of port, Ben? No, thank you, Jessie. Oh, it's such a lovely night. We ought to open the doors onto the terrace. Go ahead, if you like. There. That's better. Mmm. You can smell the mimosa all the way from the other end of the garden. Ah, oh, and there's a full moon, too. Good heavens, Jesse. Sounds like a 16-year-old. <laughs> I almost feel like one tonight. Ben, do put that book aside and talk to me. Of all the evenings for you to get into a bookish mood. Yeah. All right, Jesse. There. Thank you. Now, tell me what happened to you today. I feel like chatting. Hmm. You know, Jesse, uh, in some ways you're still remarkably young. Why, thank you, Ben. I consider that a compliment. I hope that's how it's intended. If uh, you like. Well? Well, what? You haven't told me what happened in town today. Oh, you know nothing particular ever happens. I was fairly busy. Tom Bixford was in town. We had lunch together. He's been on a fishing trip up north. Oh? He gave me a bad minute or two. Asked after Kit. Where she was and so on. Made me feel like a fool. I had to admit I didn't know. Hmm. Wasn't that rather tactless of him? After all, you'd think he'd realize that the subject of Kit would be a sore point. The trouble was he hadn't seen a paper in two weeks on his vacation trip. So naturally, he hadn't heard anything about the trouble we've been having. Oh. Well, that explains it then. Come to think of it, I had a little experience today myself. Mrs. Swanson called something about a rummage sale to raise money for something or other. I could tell she had something else on her mind, though. And finally, she came out with it. I suppose she made some crack about my being in cahoots with Kit about the baby. Well, that mm. was the implication. Hmm. Naturally, she didn't say it in so many words. But I can tell you I put her right where she belongs. I told her you'd been absolutely guiltless in the whole thing, that Kit had taken advantage of you. How dreadfully shocked we both were. By the time I was through with her, she was falling all over herself, apologizing. Uh, well, I'm sick of the whole subject. So far as I'm concerned, I'd like to forget I ever had a daughter. I wish everyone else would do. It's all very well, Ben. But sooner or later, when Kit runs out of money, she'll come home again. Oh, no, she won't. Even if she does, it won't do her any good. Well, Ben, if you feel that I way... I do, I do feel that way, believe me. You... Sound as if you plan to formally disinherit her. Only logical, too. The way things stand, Kit's provided for very nicely. Insurance, trust funds. Oh, well, the money. I'm not prepared to go through a lot of rigmarole about that. It's the least of it. After all, she's still my own flesh and blood, Jesse. I see. 
But I'm tired of discussing her, thinking about her. Well, I don't blame you. Uh, say, I have a bit of gossip for you at that, Jesse. Guess who's back in town? Can't imagine. That Cameron chap, the one with the funny name, Brett. Brett Cameron? Seems he just got home from overseas. Made quite a good record for himself, too. He was a captain in the engineers. Well, that's not too surprising. Goodness knows he's not a coward. No, but he's never done an honest day's work in his life, as far as I know. Went through every dime his people left him, except some little monthly income. The family had sense enough to tie up in a trust fund for him. Hmm. Where's Brett living now? The same place. Over on the other side of the river, across from David Bowman's. Oh, yes. Yeah. He sold the big house a long time ago, didn't he? He lives in that cottage they kept for a guest house in the old days. Yes. Well, he's back. I've never understood how a chap can be so lacking in ordinary human drive. Apparently, he's perfectly satisfied to eke out his existence on this little income he has. Takes things easy. Oh, well, I imagine a lot of men would do that if they had enough money to get by on. Yeah. You wouldn't catch me doing anything like that. I'd go crazy. That's because you're an entirely different temperament, Ben. Brett Cameron's the type who likes to... to live by his wits. His wits, eh? Provided he has any. Oh, he's intelligent enough, then. Lazy, perhaps, but... <laughs> what are you reading? I can see you're dying to get back to it. Oh, this? Oh, I was just browsing. Uh, Shakespeare. Shakespeare? Yeah. My goodness. You are in a literary mood. I've always intended to go back and read the old boy again myself, but, you know, I never seem to get around to it. Well, I just got to thinking about something, and I remembered this part in Othello. Oh, yes. That was an awfully good company. We saw a play it in Chicago a couple of years ago. Hmm. But it impressed me as an awfully gloomy thing. I think you'd want to read something more cheerful. Midsummer Night's Dream or another one of the comedies. There's a lot more meat in a thing like this. Listen, Jesse. Who steals my purse, steals trash. Tis something, nothing. Twas mine, tis his. And has been slave to thousands. But he that filches from me my good name robs me of that which not enriches him and makes me poor indeed. You're thinking of yourself, aren't you, Ben? How much you suffered lately with everyone being so nasty. Your reputation. Yes, but here's the answer to that, Jesse. In the same play, just a few lines down. This is what I was looking for. <clears throat> oh, beware, my lord of jealousy. It is the green-eyed monster which doth mock the meat it feeds on. Uh, then it goes on. Trifles light as air are to the jealous confirmation strong as proofs of holy writ. It's good stuff, Jesse. There's sense to it. I suppose so, but I must say it sounds like a lot of hocus-pocus to me. All this about jealousy. I don't Jesse. See... Yes? Did you ever stop to think how much strength there is in the power of suggestion? Not particularly. Except that everyone uses it one way or another to get what he wants from people. You bet they do. But if it's handled properly, a clever man can do a lot that way, indirectly. Like this fellow Iago in the play. A hint here and there, a false lead. And he managed to persuade the husband that his best friend had betrayed him. That his wife was faithless. 
Hmm. Well, heaven knows people are always ready to believe the worst. But the way everyone jumps on you on account of what Kit did. Exactly. I've been thinking about that. When actually, if they had any sense, they'd put the blame right where it belongs. On Kit. I don't know about that, Jesse. You're prejudiced on that score, you know. For my money, there's someone else who deserves to take the rap. Someone who's gotten off scot-free so far. But if I have anything to say about it, he's going to get what he deserves before very long. Ben Calvert was thinking of his ex-son-in-law, Bill Mead. In his anxiety to place the blame for his present situation upon someone outside the family, he had chosen Bill as the victim of his hatred. Now, as Jesse looked at him curiously, Ben's thoughts returned to a scene he had observed the day before, when the young Italian girl, Carla Descari, had stole through the square with Bill laughing happily up at the young man. And then Ben remembered with satisfaction the dark look which had crossed the face of Carla's husband, Mario, at the mention of his wife in connection with another man. Yes, Ben was thinking, the power of suggestion could be a strong weapon. <laughs> 